Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. If you'd like a scripture to, to which you can turn, you can turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Um, I was going to go a little different direction this morning, but the Lord just keeps bringing me back to this kind of a subject. And I want to, um, I want to, we're still on the subject of listening to God, divine guidance, hearing the voice of the Lord. I was going to talk about drawing near to hear, and I think we'll probably do that next week. But this morning, uh, I'm going to read this scripture to you. First of all, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 says this, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. Everybody say he leads. He doesn't push or prod or shove. He leads. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. I want to talk of this, this one I've entitled this, we always do it, the voice of strangers, the voice of strangers. Notice that Jesus says that he's going to lead and that we're going to go in, you know, in fact, a little bit later, he says that we'll go in and go out and find pasture. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But God is leading every day. Jesus is leading us every day. But the fact that he says he even mentions the voice of strangers means that there are other voices out there. There are other voices that are competing for attention with his. There are other voices who would love to lead us astray. One voice is the voice of the good shepherd and the other one is the voice of the thief. One is the voice of the good shepherd and the other is the voice of the murderer. One is the voice of the, of the son of the living God and the other is the voice of the God of this world. The, that other guy, we've got to absolutely grasp that Jesus is the good, everybody say good, shepherd. In fact, in verse 9, I made reference to it. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Now, most people, particularly those of us who came from a Baptist background, we think of saved as born all over again, to quote Carmen, the born again experience. But I'm here to tell you, salvation starts there and continues all the way for the rest of your life. Especially in times of stress and especially in times of trouble, we need salvation. Many, many times, the woman with the issue of blood, when Jesus turns to her and says, your faith has made you well, it literally in the Greek says, your faith has saved you. How many of you need salvation? I do. And it's not the born again experience all over again. It's daily salvation. He goes and, you know, he goes on to say, I am the door. He who enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and go out. Meaning live, their, live his or her life and find pasture, blessing, provision, guidance, uh, protection. The thief comes with one thing in mind. Steal, kill, and destroy. To steal the blessings of God. To kill doesn't mean just like to murder. But it means to sacrifice. To use us up in his agenda. And trust me, as soon as he's done with us, he'll throw us away like an old shoe. I made the statement last week about how that when American bomber pilots in World War II, B-17, B-24, 
B-29 when they were flying in toward, you know, their, uh, in particularly in Germany, flying toward their, their targets, that they would deal with flak. But when the flak would stop, they knew that that meant that the fighters were coming in because the, the, the ground gunners would stop shooting flak because they wouldn't want to take a chance on shooting down one of their own airplanes. The devil doesn't care about shooting down one of his own people. You know, he, because they are nothing but an expendable tool in his, in his view. The thief comes only to steal, to sacrifice us to his own ends, and to destroy. Literally, that word destroy means to ruin. Ruin. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, or you could better, actually better render this, that they might have life and have abundance. Everybody that received that said amen. amen. You see, Jesus is making such a differentiation between the, him as the good shepherd and that other guy. And those other voices, the voices of strangers, can be very subtle, very seductive. They can be loud and intimidating. But what, however they come, they have but one purpose, and that is to mislead. To get us off. Remember we talked about Psalm 23. You lead me in the tracks of righteousness. The path. But the, literally it says the tracks of righteousness. For his name's sake. And they want to get us off the path. I'm telling you. When we quit. It, one of the things the enemy wants to do. Is to get us to stop being doers of the word. Stop being obedient to scripture. Stop being obedient to that which the Lord has spoken to us. To get us, you know, and we're going to talk about some of the ways those that will manifest. But we're, you know, in Matthew chapter 24, I've used this multiple times in the last few weeks. Because we are living in this day. We are living in this age. And this passage from Matthew 24 is repeated in Mark 13 and again in Luke 21. All three passages in the synoptics where they have approached him after he says, you see that beautiful temple, one of the wonders of the ancient world? Not one stone will remain upon another. It is almost like, imagine you're standing in a meadow in a beautiful day and it's, and it's sunshine and it's beautiful and gentle breeze and the temperature isn't even hot. And you're thinking, man, what a gorgeous day. And your weather radio starts going off telling you that hail and heavy rain and, and tornadoes are coming. And you look around going, what? And how many of you know it can change very rapidly? And... He, and so we, we see it here. And, the, and so he's telling them, I'm telling you, this thing's going to be destroyed. This city's going to be burned to the ground. And they're like, huh, it's even hard to get your head wrapped around that. And he said, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. This was not before a multitude. It was just a handful of them saying, tell us, when will these things happen? happen and what will the sign of your coming uh, be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, the end of all things? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. That tells us two things. Number one, that deception and being misled will be the single lying governments, lying people, lying media, lying everything. Those are the things that will punctuate and be the characteristic of the, uh, of the last days. We've even got, we, we even define, we even make up new words and redefine terms. Now I know that there is another word for lie. It's called the narrative. <laughs> Amen. I'm just being frank here. And he goes on to say, see to it that no one misleads you. Okay, there's going to be great efforts to mislead you, but it's up to you to make sure you're not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am anointed. Now, you got to understand this. They're not going to come. He says, in my name saying, I am the Christ. They're not going to come. They're not going to come up and say, I'm Jesus. They're going to say, I'm a Christian. I know the way. The Lord has shown me. And without these individuals, these false prophets, without exception, will take the people who follow them in a direction that is away from the Lord. In fact, Paul says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will enter in. This is to the uh, elders of the church at Ephesus. I believe it's Acts 20. Uh, Acts 20 when he says, 
will enter in perverting the things, literally twisting the word. They're not going to come in and completely contradict it. What they'll do is they'll say things like, oh, God's not worried about this sin. God's not worried about that sin. God's not worried about any sin. It's all good. And, you know, and what's the problem with, does that mean that a person who, who walks that way is necessarily lost and bound for hell fire in their life? No, but it does mean that they've opened the door wide open for demonic spirits and the, and the fruit of their own actions to enter in and hold high carnival, as we used to say, and to wreak havoc in their lives. Many people are coming out. I'm the guy. I'm the one. I have the answer. I'm the pro from Dover. I've, I, I know what it is. The Lord has given me, you know, and they, when we're, when we're in a struggle and it's coming, the king of all those people or the, the, I should say the emperor of all those people, the antichrist, the substitute Messiah. That's what antichrist means. Substitute Messiah is going to come as the world is in so much more chaos than it is now. Isn't that encouraging? That it's going to intensify. You know, we were just kind of hoping everything would get back to normal. What on earth is that? It's been so long. It's like I was talking with somebody the other day and they said, well, I'm 50 years old. And they said that like they were old. And I looked at it and I said, sister, 50 years old is so far in my rearview mirror, I can't even see it anymore. So don't be whining to me about. <sighs> normal. I barely remember what normal is. I'm not sure I've ever known what normal is. And there are a lot of people out there that will assure you that I have never been normal. So, okay, these, these people, these other voices, strange voices. Now, the word strange doesn't mean strange like weird. It means strange like not the right one. Alien, alien voices, not the voice of God. These people, these institutions, these uh, governments, are not motivated by God. It can be wicked spirits working to distract or derail us. Look at Matthew chapter 4. This is a, an account of uh, the temptation. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by whom? By the devil. Everybody say, the devil. Lock the door, keep out the devil. <laughs> After and after he had fasted, he not the devil, but Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, why did, it, the, did Matthew felt, feel the need to say that? Of course, Matthew, it was the gospel that was written to the Jews in general. And a lot of times Jewish fasts were from sunup to sundown. And so they wouldn't fast of an evening. That's like when... You know, I fast three times a week. Well, that's just during the daylight hours. And you'll notice some, you know, like among Islam that their fasting time is, is during the shortest, where the days are the shortest, which would make me happy. But anyway, he, you know, but he also fasted. Of a night. So in other words, it was a complete fast. And he didn't eat in the daytime. He didn't eat. Now, it doesn't say he abstained from water, but he definitely didn't eat food for 40 days. Well, after 40 days, your body will enter, actually enter uh, starvation where it is beginning to, to destroy itself for eat itself for energy, you know, consume itself. He then became hungry. That's the signal that he's entering that that and so when he is at his most vulnerable point then was when who what is what is it called the devil here the tempter everybody say tempter the tempter came to him if you are the son of god Command these stones to become bread. Now, the devil knew he was the son of God. He knew he was the son of God. That was not the question. The question was whether Jesus would step out 
of the anointing of the Father, step out of the will of the Father, doing this ministry, walking this earth as a com completely as a normal human, whatever normal is, human being anointed by the Spirit, or he would fall back on his divinity with which he was the one, Paul tells us. He was the one, it tells us in Hebrews and Colossians. It tells us this in John chapter 1, that he, as the Word, was the one who spoke the universe into existence. And so all he has to do is say, bread, and they become bread. And the enemy knew that. The devil knew that. The tempter knew that well. But he also knew that if Jesus did that, he was going to get, he would be off the reservation, so, so to speak. He would have stepped out of God's will for his life because he was to be the pattern. He was to be the paradigm. He was to be the example of what it is to walk in this life as a human being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he would have done something that we can't do. And he hit him when he was hungry. You know, and some people say, well, he wasn't tempted. That's not true. It says he was. That sounded, think about it, man. I mean, if you've ever been on a fast, you know that you think about food a lot. At least if you're like me. If you're on a fast every day. I've heard one pastor talk about how that, you know, he's got 30 or 40 cookbooks on his shelf. And the vast majority of them were bought while he was fasting. And I have no doubt that's true. Making the devil, oh, you're the son of God. Just, hey, say the word. And these sto stones will become bread and you can get rid of that horrible headache and, and feeling and the weakness and all of that. It sounds so appealing. James uses the word enticing. But 1 Thessalonians, you know, um, uh, chapter 3, Paul writes to the Thessalonians and says, For this reason, when I can endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and that our labor would be in vain. In other words, when the tempter tempts you, it's not for your good. Whatever he is saying to do will get you off the path. Everybody say amen. It could be the false narrative appealing to our flesh or appealing to our sense of justice. Um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 8. The Galatians had been the Judaizers had come in behind Paul and said, now, if you really want to please the Lord, yes, 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 you know, accept Jesus of Nazareth as your Savior. But if you really want to please the Lord, you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the law of Moses. That's the way. And we see that in Acts chapter 15, the Pharisees stood up and said they must be you know, be circumcised, they must keep the law of Moses. In other words, it was Jesus and the law. And Paul said, no, it's not Jesus and the law. It's just Jesus. And those of you who are trying to please the Lord in your own fleshly efforts, your religious efforts by keeping the law have been deceived. And in Galatians 5, 8, he said, this persuasion did, everybody say persuasion, did not come from him who calls you. Over in Luke chapter 21 and verse 25, I've made reference to it several times in the last few weeks. It's, uh, Jesus talks about that on the earth during the last days, there'll be great upheaval and there will be uh, civil unrest. There will be riots. There will be, in fact, when he uses the word disturbances, not in that verse, but another one, uh, the word disturbances literally means insurrections and rebellions. There will be insurrections, there will be rebellions, there will be riots, there will be things like that. And it says, and dismay among the nations. That word dismay is completely mistranslated because the word dismay literally means to, that's translated dismay, means to oppress. Governments are going to clamp down harder and harder in an effort 
to keep order and to keep control. And that includes their narrative trying to herd everybody in the direction they want them to go. We're seeing it. Big time. Lies. Deception. I don't think I ever remember a day in my life when, when the mainstream media was so in sync with one or the other of the political uh, parties. Lies, deception. Oh, and here's another thing. If you don't take it our way, we're going to kick you off. We're going to silence you. You can't, you can't talk about that. The other thing it could be is, and get a load of this, is if I don't have enough problem being misled by the devil or, you know, these people or whatever, my own flesh. Anybody here got flesh? Yeah. My own flesh. Paul even says, no, there's nothing good in me that, that is in my flesh. Um... Over in, I, th I thought I, yeah. L look at Romans 7 and 22 and 23. He says, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law, which is in my members. Well, he goes on in the, you know, in Romans 8 saying, thanks be to God, we've been set free that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. But that didn't say that that, that, that law that was in our flesh, that is fighting against God, suddenly went away. Notice again, look at right there. For I joyfully, joyfully, verse 22, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see, not I saw, I see a different law in my members. So, and... The, de the deception out there will play to my flesh. Second Thess chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Then that lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist, the substitute Christ, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan or the tempter or the devil and with all power and signs and false wonders just because something is saints we need to get this settled that in the days to come there will be lying wonders there will be lying miracles God is not the only one who does miracles the enemy will be allowed because the, the, the Lord is, re, is removing that which hinders, he who hinders. And we're seeing, and he said in verse 10, the very next signs and false wonders. And with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And in fact, in that very next verse, 2 Thess 2.11 he says, for this reason, I, God will send on them a deluding, next word, influence. The enemy has his own influencers. How many of you have run across a few of those? His own, his, a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Really believe it. Why? Because they've sold themselves into it. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. We, you know, our flesh does not want to submit. Every day when I sit down, well, not every day. Well, every day I do sit down. And I, first thing in the morning, I will go through my Bible reading program. And there are days when I sit down and I begin to read and my flesh goes, how much more of this do we have to do? How much longer are we going to be here? We've got stuff to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what Paul meant. I see another 
influence in my body. I love the word. Now, I love those mornings when I get up and I crack the Bible and every word just seems to be like, you know, eating, you know, uh, a fresh mango or, you know, a steak. What, what Fill in the blunt Oreo. Fill in the donut or as our esteemed uh, youth pastor likes to call them, power discs. That's a euphemism if I ever heard one. And, uh, and it is good, yeah. Power discs are good. Especially when it says fresh now right on the window. Um, my, my flesh wants, it will push back. Um, and the flesh looks for ways around. We're seeing it in our culture right now. We're seeing it in, the, in America right now that people are told, yeah, I know the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong, but that, you know, that's not really true. That was true for them, but not for today. Or, you know, fill in all of the sensual, you know, LGBTQ, whatever stuff. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater. Even though me saying that will get me labeled that way, and I understand it. But the fact is, I cannot just stand back and say, oh, it's all good, because it's not. Will homosexuality send you to hell? The answer is no, because it is not the unpardonable sin. But it can destroy your life here. And it will certainly keep God from doing in and through you what He would like to do and what He has destined us to do. And, you know... That's why we're like, it, we're so easy to fool is because we're just so intent on not accepting the truth that when somebody comes and says, no, this isn't really this anymore. I know we've called it that for a hundred years, but we're redefining it today. And we'll say, oh yeah, that's good. I want to use, how do you, and we don't enter into that just, we don't wake up one morning and just fall off of the wagon. It is a process where we compromise, we compromise, we compromise a little, we compromise a little more, we compromise a little more, we compromise. And the voice of the strangers, just, uh, I'm going to mix my metaphors here. Instead of the voice of the stranger, think of the breadcrumbs. Kathy's hometown Rochester, Minnesota, home of the world famous Mayo Clinic, the main one. They have a place called Silver Lake. Uh, it's right there by the power plant. There's, it's one of probably 350 or 400 Silver Lakes in the United States. It's a very popular name. And it's a goose sanctuary. Our kids used to love it. We would go down or up. We'd go up to Rochester and they always wanted to go out to Silver Lake because there's like a gajillion geese out there. Because, you know, the, the water, the lake never froze over because the, the, the power plant was taking water out of the lake and discharging water into the lake. And so it was a great place. Plus, it was a goose sanctuary. Plus, the farmers in the, out in the area would always leave stands of corn, some, you know, some corn for the geese to eat. So you'd see them flying out in the morning and flying in of an afternoon and everything. And there, it was in the Rochester Post Bulletin, they had a thing about a guy. And the geese are protected about a guy who had captured and, and feasted on a goose. And the way he did it was throwing little crumbs of bread out, had the door of his car open, threw one in there. Geese aren't real smart. Amen. And boom, into the car he went. And that's the last anybody saw of him. I don't know how they caught the guy. You remember the one I'm talking about? I don't know how they caught the guy, you know, if somebody was watching or, or what, but they got him. And so, in other words, it's little, that voice goes, pss, 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 this way. And it's like, you know, I really don't want to go this way. It's hardy. And it's like, and my flesh is going, ooh, 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 like that. Let me give you, let me give you an example. And I've used this, it's been a while, but. This is a perfect example of that. And I'm going to use sexual sense. And it's so ubiquitous in our culture. And it's Proverbs chapter 6. Let's watch it. This is the whole process right here. This is the voice of the stranger working at multiple levels. 
For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naive. Everybody say naive. In other words, he doesn't he, he doesn't have he's he's ignorant. And when it says he's ignorant, it's not that he doesn't know the truth. It's that he hasn't settled on it and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Among the youths, that mean that every young person is stupid. No. What is he saying here? He's talking about the immature, spiritually immature. A young man lacking sense, literally lacking heart. Passing through the street near her corner. And he takes the way to her house. Now, ladies, don't get offended by the fact that the, the, the villain of the story is a female. Because this whole thing is a play. It is a, the juxtaposition of lady wisdom versus lady temptation. Because in Proverbs, wisdom is a she because the word chakmah, wisdom, is a feminine noun in the Hebrew. So, passing through the door near her corner, he takes the way to her house. Now look at this. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. Twilight is not dark. Twilight is sort of dark, getting darker, evening, darkening. In other words, he is going away. He knows better than to go. And as he pursues that, he's kind of nibbling around the edges going. It's kind of like saying, you know, I'm not I'm I'm you know, I know that I've you know that I'm on this uh, diet to lose all this weight and I'm not going to go in Krispy Kreme. I'm just going to drive by. <laughs> then you see the hot. And see, notice it says, it, notice how it gets darker and darker and darker. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night. So he doesn't just pass by it. He tarries. He's hanging out. Well, the hot now light's on. I'm going to go in. No, I'm not going to go in. I'm just going to go sit in the parking lot and watch and see how long it stays on. And then after sitting in the parking lot, we're talking about Krispy Kreme now. You know what? I'm just going to go in and smell it. I'm not going to eat anything. You know, I, I don't even have any money on me. I keep it that way. Yeah, but you've got Apple Pay. All right. And the credit card. In the middle of the darkness, and behold, a woman comes to meet him. Dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart, she is boisterous and rebellious. There's another place that talks about that. She thinks it's cool. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. It is impossible for any human being to do that. This is the personification of temptation. This is the personification of that draw toward sin. In our getting off the path. He knows the path. He's left the path. And he's getting further and further away. And the further you get away, the more compromises you make, someone is lurking. And in fact, it comes to me when Cain, when Cain's, when God rejected Cain's offering because it was, it was not adequate. It, he didn't give him from his first fruits. He gave him what was left over. And Cain became angry. And God said, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore I've come out to meet you and seek your presence earnestly. And I have found you. This has to be God. Don't you see it? This is God's provision for me and for you. This didn't just happen. This is a God thing. He takes the blame for a lot of stuff. I have spread my couch 
with coverings, with the colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. This, guys, BP is 180 over 110. His pulse rate is 150. He has crossed, or he's this close to crossing the line between lust, desire, and passion. Once passion gets a hold of you, it's over. And, and that's for anything. That's not just about sex. That's when you, and you're in the Krispy Kreme and you get a nose full of it and you cross from desire into passion and then you eat the entire dozen. It happened to me when I bought a Honda 400 Hawk motorcycle. One of the, one of the few motorcycles Honda wishes they could just bury. And I knew I shouldn't buy it. I knew I didn't have the money. I knew that God wanted to do something else, but I just, I kept, ah, and I kept, I'd drive, drive into that Honda dealership there on Jefferson and Dallas and walk around, walk around, walk around. And then one day I was walking through there, not looking for the best motorcycle, but looking for the one I thought I could borrow the money to get. And I climbed up on the peg, swam, swung my leg over it and sat down. And the second my tush hit that seat, I went from desire into passion. And the Holy Spirit did his best to wave me off of that. And I, to be honest with you, I was naive. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I didn't know how, it was the Spirit leading me because I hadn't been taught those things. And we're going to, as we get further into this series, we're going to, which we're already at number nine. So this series should only probably have 40 or 50 parts. <laughs> but... We're going to get into that, but I'm having to clear some of the brush first. And, I, and so she let us delight ourselves with caresses. She probably was a little bit more explicit even than that. And for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money. Whenever he takes a bag of money, it takes a long, he's, it's because he's going to be gone a long time. And with him, and at full moon, he will come. Who's going to know? Hey, I'll never tell. You'll never tell. Who's going to know? Man, we can have this hot night. I mean, I'm going to show you stuff. And it's okay. You'll be able to go home tomorrow and nobody's the wiser. Liar, 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 liar. That never works out that way. And with her many persuasions, persuasions, she, next word, entices her, him, with her flattering lips, she seduces him. That is exactly the way the voice of strangers work. It'll be okay. Who's going to know? Just a little fudge. You can ask for forgiveness afterwards. It'll be okay. And maybe you know that those are famous, famous last words. It'll be okay. Suddenly, here he goes into passion. He follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline, the correction, the punishment of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Remember, a young man in verse 7, uh, among the youths, the young man lacking heart. He, he wasn't spiritually, he, he had no spirituality about him. He, he, you know, we've got to believe that when God, that God is, that Jesus is the good shepherd. And when he tells us something, it is to our benefit. He's not trying to keep us out of fun. He's not trying to keep us out of misery and destruction and loss. Steal. Kill, destroy. 
Do not let your heart turn aside to her. Do not, next word, stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down and numerous are all her slain. It even gets stiffer here. Her house is the way to hell. Because Sheol, that was their word for hell. Descending into the chambers of death. What allowed this guy to be misled? His lack of heart. His lack of conviction. His lack of faith. I heard a pastor tell a story, talking about sexual sin, about how many times in his ministry, when he would be sitting down with a man, or a woman for that matter, that had been in an adulterous relationship and was trying to work through the restoration process. And they would all say the same thing. I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. I was powerless to resist. The reason they were powerless to resist is because of unbelief. As long as you believe you can do this and get away with it, that you will be more likely to do it. How many of you with me here? So it comes down to two things. Number one, faith that God means what he says. And number two, and this is even more important, that is a consecration and a love for God that is so strong you do not want to let him down. And you cry out to him, Lord, help me. Isaiah 79, or excuse me, there is no Isaiah 79, by the way. Isaiah 7 and 9 from the NIV, and this is just the last part of the verse from the uh, 84 version of the NIV says, if you do not stand firm, this is the word, uh, this is a word that God gave to uh, uh, the, the king of Judah when they'd come up against, um, you know, when they'd come up against him, saying, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That was a haz. And in fact, in the NLT, it says this. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. I like that because that's what, because we are saved by grace through faith. This pastor that was telling the story about the people, he you know, he said, you know, if, he said, we just don't believe. He said, if, the, if the woman with whom he was about to uh, sin had said to him, by the way, just in, in um, the interest of full disclosure, I have AIDS. And he said, you would be, and if he believes, you'd be surprised how his desire would go poof. Because he can now see the future. How many of you with me? He can see the future now, and it ain't good. But if we would believe God and realize that even if that weren't the case, that we can see God tells us that we're going to be led away, and then an arrow is going to pierce our, our, our liver, and we're going to be led, and we're going to come under the discipline of a fool. And that this is not life. If we just believe that, we'll stay out of it. That's one of the reasons I read Proverbs every day. What is today? The 21st. I read Proverbs 21. There's 31 Proverbs and 31 days in the longest month of the year. Works out real well. And I like to say a proverb a day keeps the stupids away. Well, you know. When you hear the voice of, when the voice, you know, the thoughts, the suggestion comes to you, you know, do this, whatever it is. What does it birth in you? If it's fear, it's not God. He has not given us a spirit of fear. And so you know that's the voice of a stranger. Oh, I wouldn't do that. You're going to be ruined. You're going to be destroyed. This is, oh, yeah, I'm telling you what. That's not God. It's, influ it's trying to influence us, but it's not God. How about anger? That one seems to be quite popular today. A desire for re retaliation. We see a lot of that in social media. Lots of people throwing verbal firebombs at each other. Yesterday I was on my motorcycle going 
up to the downtown airport. And when you're coming off of, you know, the northbound, you got to get over but fast in that if you want to go west on the 70, the north loop there. And I looked at my rearview mirror and there was a pickup truck coming up. And that's okay. I've got 1,800 cc's of raw power, you know, and just like that, like got it across. And apparently, even though he didn't have to slow down to keep from hitting me, um, this guy in his GMC, gray GMC pickup truck, licensed Missouri, no, <laughs> took strong exception to my crossing the lane in front of him and gave me his IQ one as he drove by and I don't know if he was looking at me probably not I just went thank you salute I used all five of my fingers by the way does it make me want to retaliate does it make me angry does it make me want to you know does it want me make me want to say unkind things? We can be honest without being unkind. Anything that draws me away from obedience. The young believer that we saw here in Proverbs 7 knew better. He knew better. But he kept playing around. Well, maybe, you know, any, maybe, 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 maybe. You eat the donuts, you're going to put on the weight. Simple as that. It's like a diabetic. Well, maybe I could eat these three donuts and it won't have an impact. It's going to have an impact. God is not mocked. Paul says it. We cannot beat it. We cannot sin and get away with it. I know it looks like it in our culture that lots of people are sinning and they're getting away with it. I assure you they are not. And that's part of the problem with our nation and where we find ourselves is that collectively is that we are, it, we are not getting away with it. And the chickens are coming home. The ones that don't have the bird flu anyway. This is one of the, you know, um, and the last one that I wanted to share First of all, if it takes you into fear, if it takes you into anger, if, you know, and retaliation, if it takes you into disobedience. And the last one is if it takes you into discouragement and depression. Man, won't you just give up? Look at what so-and-so has done. I told you last week when, or a couple of weeks ago when we were in Dallas, we were driving we were coming out of Love Field and we were going down LBJ to go over and, and uh, pick up the Central going up toward Allen. And we passed by a church and it was a church and it said so on it. And I saw the first building and thought, boy, that thing is massive. And then next to it was another 10, 11, 12 story building that also had that church name on it. What do you need with that? And then the next one, the next building. There was at least three. There might have been more, but by that time, I was so. I, and I looked at Kathy and I said, Kid, what? What? Ha! And I passed up a marvelous opportunity to get depressed, to feel sorry for myself, and have a world class pity party. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And let me tell you something about that voice that starts the pity party. Those things are such a stench spiritually that the devil won't even hang around. Once he gets it started, even he leaves. It just, you know, the sin that so easily entangles us in Hebrews chapter 12 is the sin of discouragement. It is so, God, you know, you you said this, and you said this, and you said this, and I know you said it. I mean, the enemy can't talk, but the enemy will do that. He'll come and say, maybe you misunderstood. And we talked about it a little while ago out of Psalm 55. The enemy, his voice is distracting me. I'll go back since this will be on the uh, the podcast it won't have the uh, 
offertory. And so, Psalm 55. Give heed to me and answer me. Verse 2, I am restless in my complaint and I'm surely distracted because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me. You don't do what we want you to do. We're going to put you in jail. Wear this thing on your face or whatever. You're going to do what we want or you can't work. You're going to do what we want or you're not going to be able to gather in, in public. Whatever. Coercion. Coercion. God does not coerce. I said a couple of weeks ago or last week, I can't remember where, where God uses tribulation too. God uses tribulation. Yeah, he squeezes. He puts in distress. So people begin to see clearly that they have hooked themselves up with the wrong God. He's not punishing them. He's drawing them. Amen. How many times in my life have I ever been in a mess and realized it was suddenly in the middle of it, I realized it was a mess of my own making. Going back to what God spoke to Ahaz, Isaiah 7 and 9 from the NLT, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand. The scripture is our primary guidance. If the scripture says it, I don't care. If a whole angel choir appeared and said something to you that was contrary to the word, leading you off away from the word. I remember hearing about a guy that, um, that, you know, he was ill and it was not, it was, it was something that was serious and a being in glowing garments appeared to him at night and said, it is not my will to heal you. I am using this to my glory. And he said, get out of here, devil. But it would have been so easy. Some people have some sort of a supernatural manifestation. I remember Kenneth Hagin talking about how, you know, he had been healed. God had raised him up and he went and ate breakfast for the first time in months and months and months. And he went out and sat on the porch with his granddad and a voice came to him and said, what is your life? But is a, but a vapor and a mist. And today thou shalt surely die. And he said, I heard that. I heard that like it was audible. And he said, so he said, I just went and sat out in the house waiting to die. And he said, then as he was sitting there, he said, he heard another still small voice. God doesn't yell. Saying with long life. I will satisfy him. And he said it got away from me and it came back again. With long life, I will satisfy him. Well, when you're 15 years old, that isn't long life. And he said, what? And it came to him again. With long life, I will satisfy him. And he said, who said that? Psalm 91. That's scripture. He said, I'm not going to die. He did about 70 years later. God is faithful. God is for us. God has given us the best path forward. Deviation, detours, alternatives, or diversions, distraction, they're all deceit. And we live in a time when the spirit of absolute insanity is in full bloom and in fruitfulness around us. And it, and it can, you know, I'm telling you, Sometimes, turn off the news if you want to keep your salvation. Keep your victory, so to speak. If our musicians would come. And let me give you some more scripture. Um, Romans 14, 4 and 5, talking about the scripture being our primary guidance. For whatever was written in earlier... Have you... Has this helped anybody today? You got any? For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures... I'm sure the enemy's right there to help my flesh say, ah, you don't need to read the script, the word today. Man, you read, you read the scripture every day. You get all those chapters that you read every day. Man, you, you've got enough, you know, soul thou hast many scriptures laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, la da 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 da. 
primrose path to destruction. How many of you are like me? You, you wake up in the morning and not only do you not feel a lot necessarily awake, you don't even necessarily feel saved. And you wake up in the morning and you start reading that word and you can just feel it begin to have an impact on you. You sense it as it just brings life. Now that through perseverance and the encouragement of what? The scriptures, we might have hope. Remember, whenever you see the word hope in the New Testament, you can substitute and not do the, the text any harm. Confidence. Confidence. <laughs> and I mean that. El peace. Confidence. You know, here I, we were uh, skydiving buddy of mine who was a free fall photographer came by the church here to see me. He lives in uh, Indianapolis now. And he's a really, really good brother. And we were talking about some of the things. And I said, yeah, it's entirely possible that my titanium hips are the direct result of my skydives. But, well, specifically a couple of really hard landings. But I'd do it all over. I would do it all over. He goes, yeah, me too. You know, and I'm thinking about, you know, I, I, you know how standing on the back, 15,000 feet, the back door, this is a Casa 212, which looks like a, a miniature C-130. It's got a big cargo hold and a tailgate that comes down. And boy, tailgate exits are just so much fun. I have so many good stories to tell about that, but I will spare you. But the one that I can think of is where that the one that comes to mind is I'm standing there waiting because we're getting on, we're getting ready to exit. And I've, you've heard me talk about how that we had some fair weather cumulus like we had yesterday. Sunshine coming down, bouncing off of the tops of those clouds so bright that even through my helmet that I was wearing that had a had a tinted visor, dark tinted visor. I could, it was so bright that I could actually see. And my ophthalmologist told me, yeah, he said, that wasn't your imagination. I could see my iris on my retina. I could see it, or both of them, for that matter. And, you know, somebody would walk, walk up to me and say, are you going to jump out? Yes. Is that parachute going to save your life? I hope so. <laughs> Now, when we say hope, we mean it's a cherished desire. But when the New Testament uses the, the word hope, it is a certainty and a confidence. And hope is I'm standing there in the door and I have confidence that my gear is going to work. Well, then what is faith? actually go and it worked every time but two and then the other one worked the reserve the reserve chute came out just fine and I got down well the first time just fine the second time it was pretty hard but that was because I followed my main way too far low because it was falling into woods and I didn't want to lose $1,500 in, in the woods. And when I finally saw where it went in, okay, I know where it is like this. And I look up and I'm at 200 feet. <gasps> Wham! And I stand before you as a perfect illustration of the mercy of God. <laughs> the encouragement of the scriptures. Faith comes by... Not having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience through faith and patience faith and patience through faith and patience through faith and what? And what in patience? Faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, the faith part's pretty easy, but patience... <sighs> Hebrews 6.19 We have this confidence, this hope, this confidence we has, have as an anchor of the soul. So in other words, when the winds blow, that confidence in God 
holds us steady. My wife and I, how many of you have got a lot going on in your life? How many of you can say that you don't remember any time that you had much more going on in your life? And it's just true for so many people. And my wife and I were talking about an impending event. And she said, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Each day, tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. I have found that to be true. I've also found it to be true that when I get to the situation, whatever it is I'm dreading or whatever it is about which I'm concerned, He always meets me. That's confidence. That we, and that anchor keeps us from being blown off course, taken astray. A hope both sure certain and steadfast and one which enters within the veil will take us into the very presence of God. No matter what the narrative wants to do to knock us off, we know the truth. We know him who is the truth and it will hold us steady and we need not but it, and as we as we feed our faith and meditate on the scriptures. Again, it's just like talking about meditation. Remember when we, I just said a few minutes ago, you know, he said, I see a different law working in the members of my body. Meditating on that is when the opportunity for the Lord to say, notice that he said, see and not saw. Oh yeah. So in other words, he was still dealing with it. It's present tense. Absolutely. It's those times of meditation when the Holy Spirit can speak to us and we feed our faith. And the second, even the things where the scripture's been a little twisted and we might not have, might not have full cognition that it's off. We get that inward witness that something here doesn't pass the smell test. Anybody ever done this? Take the thing off the milk carton and you go... Yeah, I've done it. How many of you have ever had something you rejected? Oh, not eating that, drinking that, whatever. And that is the way that it gets to the point that you'll be so filled with, the, with, so full of the Spirit, so full of the Word, that the minute something begins, you, you come across something that's off, the minute a stranger begins to whisper, you'll go, who's that? Who's that? Ah, I don't, I don't recognize that voice. And even though your flesh might go, oh, that sounds appealing. That's when your spirit says, I don't think so. And your soul trained in the word says, no, 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 no. This is where that's going to lead. We know the voice of the good shepherd. We do not follow him who is here to steal, kill and destroy. We walk after him who is the life of God. Everybody say amen. Because he came that we might have life and abundance. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, if this, when you're watching this, morning, noon, or night, whenever it might be, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, it is time to respond to his voice. To come to him who calls us all. If you would pray with and just call out to God and say I believe Lord I believe with my heart and I confess with my lips that Jesus is Lord he is your son you've raised him from the dead scripture says with your heart you believe unto righteousness and with the mouth your confession is made to salvation and you will pass from death into life and you will begin to follow the good shepherd and he will lead you in and out and you will find pasture saint of God those of you who are Christians and watching this, if you've just been casual in your faith and casual in your walk with God, I stern it with your finger, so to speak. I encourage you, now is the time to go in, all in, all in, and to have the confidence that what God has said to you, He means, and that He will do 
what he has promised and that we'll see exactly what it said that if I can't stand firm I am limiting my strength he won't be able to deliver me because by grace we are saved through faith and so that faith in him has to be strong and God will help you build it he'll help you strengthen it he'll help you to grow in faith amen and then we're going to talk about drawing near to here that'll be part of it amen we hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in jesus we encourage you to visit our app independence christian center on your cell phone available from the apple app store or android google play you can also find us on apple tv roku Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.